bills like that, bills like the Innovation Alabama bills, bills like the yoga bill, like there are commonalities that we can come to, right? But there are, there are also things that are gonna divide us based on whether we're a DOR. And so, so it's, it's really about how we can come close to a compromise. Another fantastic week from your favorite political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week, with Josh Moon and David Person. How are you, David? Man, I'm hanging tough, man. How about you? Like new kids on the block over there, huh? <laughs> hanging tough. Hanging tough. Uh, I bet man. y'all didn't expect that reference in the show today. <laughs> no, uh, no new kids on the block references. Yeah, we hadn't done yeah. that one yet. We hadn't done that. That's yet. right. That's right. That's we're uh, we're doing it. Hey, you know, we we've talked uh, uh, a bunch of times about uh, TV stuff, and uh, so I, I was gonna I was gonna ask you, and I, we could have done this before, but you know, this is our podcast. We can talk about whatever the hell we want to. Um, I, you know, so I finished. I've completed Snowfall, uh, and I've completed most of the major television series: your Breaking Bad, your Sopranos, The Wires, those sorts of things. And so I'm in need of something, something good now, something current that is on that I can watch while I am doing, uh, you know, my, I typically watch these shows while I'm, while I'm working out. Uh, we got, we kind of converted the one part portion of our garage into a, into a little home gym, got mm-hmm. TV out there. That's where I typically watch my stuff while I'm on the, on the treadmill and doing, doing a little weight work and things like that. So uh, I need something to watch. Okay, so first let me say, <clears throat> you said you'd completed Snowfall, but Snowfall is in its final well, season now. I, I've caught up. I've You've caught, caught up, up on Netflix. Yeah, is that what Snowfall. you're saying? Okay. Well, I, well, I recorded, you know, on on YouTube. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, on, okay. on YouTube TV. So I've, okay. I've recorded. So I'm I'm up to date. Every okay. I don't I don't have any episodes waiting for me to uh, until well I guess I have last night's but. Uh, uh, that that's all oh, I yeah. have. Yeah, last night yeah. is a good one too. Last night, oh, is it? oh yeah, I, I was watching it while I was doing some work this morning, and I was like, ooh, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a chilling one. You 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 dig that? All right, so, I can't do that. I can't I can't I can't watch a show like that and and do work. I can't. Uh, I don't I don't do work. Okay, that's it, what, it, you know it, what I mean. It depends yeah. on what kind of work I'm doing. Not all kinds of work, but sometimes some kind of work. Yeah, I can watch a ball game uh-huh. and 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 do work, but I can't uh-huh. do I can't I I literally can't do anything. It's like I'm uh, I, that's, I guess that's just how my my mind is. I've got to focus on whatever it is, okay. or I just can't take it in. Yeah. Got it, got it. All right, so I'm going to tell you one of the most brilliant shows that I've seen which I would put in the same category as Snowfall and Breaking Bad and The Good Wife and some others, is a show called Your Honor. Oh, yeah. See, I I watched the first season of that. Uh, And I saw where they just started. Let me tell you where I kind of fell out on Your Honor. Okay. Your Honor was so uh anxiety producing mm. I, I would say you know mm. it was so uh, th- there was there was never there was never a lift you mm. know what i mean there was never a, there like for breaking bad for example you know you would have in breaking bad there was there was all this you know these anxious moments where it seemed like the last 3 seasons of that show it was all there was just, there was this buzzing noise in the background where you were just waiting on something bad to happen you, know, where you got the that that Vince Gilligan yeah 
kind of thing that was going on and you knew some some bad shit was about to go down. But at various points, there was also some comedy, some, some you know, some some sort of levity, something that raised yourself up, that got you back out of that, pulled you back for just a minute. There is none of that with your honor. It is all like, oh, my God, what is it? What's going to happen? That's not good. Oh, God, he's going to get killed for that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it just it just was. I don't know. It made me anxious to watch the show all the time. And so I, I finally just stopped. Well, I understand. And I think you're right. I think your assessment is right. The reason <laughs> I love it, though, is because it's such a brilliant exploration of morality yeah. and human beings. And uh, it's very complex, very layered. Characters mm-hmm. are very well developed. <clears throat> it's produced by the same people that produced The Good Wife and The Good Fight. And so you know it's going to the writing is. You know, excellent. I've never watched those. I've never watched those. The good oh wife. man, the good the good wife is. Ooh boy, that's a. To me, that was such a well done series. Uh, it was on CBS. Yeah, uh, yeah. Star Julia. Well, it really Margolis. a network. You know, I tell you one of the one of the reasons why I never did it is because it was on just a regular network. Oh man, the good wife is brilliant, brilliant. Really? And just okay. got more brilliant with time. I mean, it 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 never let up. It it just seemed to get better and better mm. and better. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we have that we have that streaming service, whatever mm. that is. I don't. You know, we've got seventeen thousand streaming services. I'm, I'm certain at this point we could have just paid for cable. Yeah, uh, I know we could have yeah. just paid for cable. It's and, about the same. We it's yeah, we're probably we're probably saving hundred dollars a month or so, but I mean we've got I don't even know what services we have at this point. Yeah. Uh, they're just all on the on the Roku at the top, and we just hit them, and and all of them work, and yeah. I, and some of them could be our our subscription, some of them could be family. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, well I'll, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, we were, the Good uh, Wife we is excellent. Um, I I highly recommend it. Highly recommend. Yeah, we watched uh, we watched The Last of Us. Uh, it was one uh, one me and my wife watched together uh, the HBO show The Last of Us uh, with uh, uh, Pedro Pascal. Uh, hmm. I haven't and, seen and that. The, and the little and the girl from uh, Game of Thrones hmm. uh, that uh, uh, she was I don't know one, she she wasn't a main character uh, okay. but she was the the young leader of, of some group on on Game of Thrones and uh, but yeah The Last of Us is very very good uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of a zombie show but not zombies ah. if that makes sense they, okay. they're all infected with a with fungus and so uh it's you know, oh it's, kind, kind of like that will smith movie that he did um yeah uh, uh can't remember talking the, about yeah i can't remember yeah. the name well, is of it, was it, that right. it wasn't book of eli right no that was denzel um will smith book of eli did was denzel? book of eli was denzel um right. will, yeah yeah yeah, that was Denzel. He starred in that one. Uh, um, what's the name of that movie? Um, I have to look it up. But Will Smith was in that movie. He was pretty much him and a dog for like, yeah, and, yeah, and then yeah. him and a dog and zombies uh, who were yeah. infected by some kind of something or other. What was that movie? Oh, yeah, now you now you've got me now you've got me wondering about this. So so yeah, but yeah, no, it's uh it was uh it was very good. Uh it was a very good series. Um and um uh you know, I, I thought I, I was I was skeptical because I I tell you, I like uh, I like the first season or so of uh, The Walking Dead. Uh I thought for for a season it was very well done. 
uh, maybe even two two seasons. You know, there were a lot of that kind of moral dilemmas that went on, and uh, you know, people the surprise and the how how things fell and how quickly people turned on each other and that sort of thing. Right. Uh, I thought that was very very interesting and, and very well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just got to be, you know, it was so silly. The you know the the silliest part of that thing to me was every time you saw these zombies. It was always, right. you know, them just walking around like that. And then 12 <laughs> times per show, one of these dudes would, would sneak up on somebody. You know, uh-huh. why are they sneaking up on you? You know, it sounds like the Tasmanian devil rolling up behind people. And how is this? How are you? I just, come on. You, know, you should be able to hear that. You should be able to hear yeah, that coming. Yeah, yeah. Well, how could you not hear this? Hear it and probably it? smell it too. Yeah. That, all that, all that, all that flesh decay. Probably smell it. Yeah. So I mean, our our intrepid producer says that the um, that that Will Smith movie was I Am Legend. Oh yes, I Am Legend. I yeah. Am Legend. I Am Legend. Okay. Yeah, I Am Legend. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we've solved that that mystery. Um, so we, we can get to, I guess, to, to good business now. So I'll, I'll, I'll go back and, and try your honor again and, uh, see if I can, uh, make it through workouts without being depressed. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe well, the endorphins it. from the workout will counteract right. the, the anxiety and depression that I get from <laughs> Brian Cranston and his family issues. Uh, We'll we'll try it that way. It's a chemical balance that I'm trying to. I'm trying it's to pretty, it, it is pretty dark. I have to say, it's yeah. dark, but it's a thoughtful. It's a thoughtful, reflective dark. Yeah, actually, listen. I, honestly, it's it's the same reason I bailed out on Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. I was just I told my wife I was like we were like two seasons. I'm like nothing good has ever happened to any of these people. It's got to stop. <laughs> you know, if you've yeah. gone this long and it's this way, just end it. Just right. get out of it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I just couldn't continue. So, um, which is a good transition to uh, the state of Alabama and uh, our our political world that we deal in or deal with every day. Which mm-hmm. is there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hope some days. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, uh, let's start with Lakeith Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote about Lakeith Smith. I could swear to you that I wrote about Lakeith Smith at some point as well, but I cannot find the column that I, that I wrote about Lakeith Smith. So I'm going to have to write another one. Uh, and I will for uh, probably for Monday, mm-hmm. uh, at about what has taken place with this, uh, young man. Uh, he was, uh, he did wrong. Okay. There's no way around it. There's no way of, of sugarcoating that he did wrong. He was with a group of kids, I believe in 2018, I say a group of kids, group of young men mm-hmm. uh, he was with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was with some 20, 22-year-old uh, folks that went out, and they decided that they were going to rob a house, a couple of houses, actually, in Millbrook. And they went into these homes that were unoccupied homes. Uh, someone saw them going in, called the cops. Cops showed up. Um, um, and some of – there was an exchange of gunfire, Okay. Uh, some of the kids or some of the young men that were with Lakeith Smith and Lakeith Smith was a kid at this point. He was 15. Um, they, they, sh- according to police, shot at police, police returned fire at them. Uh, could have been vice versa, whatever, uh, whatever happened. Definitely. Uh, they believe or at least evidence showed they recovered guns and everything else. Mm-hmm. Evidence showed that the kid, that some of those uh, friends of Lakeith Smith fired back at police. Police officers returned the fire uh, and ended up hitting uh, and killing one of the young men that was uh, doing the robbery with, uh, with, with Smith. And 
for that, Lakeith Smith was then charged with murder. Uh, he was charged with the robberies as well, and then also charged with murder, and was sentenced to 65 years as an adult. Mm. For, uh, as far as I can tell, and I read a bunch of stuff about it last night, re- went back and read through everything, and could swear that I wrote something about this again. Um, as far as I could tell, he did not have a gun, never had a weapon on him. Uh, he was 15. He was with those guys uh, going around and doing these things. Should not have been there. Should not have been there. No one, no one claims otherwise. No one claims that he should not serve some time. No one, that he should not be punished in some way, shape, or form for what he, what he did. But where the problem is, is in the 65 years for never having the intent to do anything uh, such as murder, uh, never, never doing anything that would have elevated himself to that position where, where something like that could have happened. And, you know, I, there's no way that, that a 15-year-old, first of all, should be in prison for that length of time, regardless of what happened. Right. Okay. There, right. There's no, there's no way that that should be our standard here. Okay. And I understand that this was, you know, there, there are murders that take place and 15 year olds do these sorts of things and, and you, you got to have some punishment or whatever. And I, I don't disagree with the punishment part of it, but mm-hmm. I, I think we, we have, I, this kind of goes back to my, my argument about abortion and stuff. We've advanced medically and, and scientifically as a society where we can understand a, a lot better these days exactly where the human brain is. Right. And, and and we know it's not developed enough uh, for us to impose these sorts of sentences. And we do it because we want retribution. Mm -hmm. Okay. We want revenge for whatever has taken place. And it makes certain people feel better to impose that revenge upon people, especially if that person happens to be young, black and male. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's what happened here is they imposed a sentence and you should just, the rhetoric around this is so disgustingly, I don't want to say racist because I, I think that, that even that doesn't, doesn't do it justice because I think it turns people off a little bit to say that it was just racist. It's just disgusting, honestly. It's just disgusting to hear them talk about uh, the, the, the prosecutor, for example, talked about yesterday about how he just didn't hear the remorse that he wanted to hear from, uh, from Lakeith Smith. He was hoping now, Lakeith Smith did stand up and tell the judge he apologized for, for what happened, took responsibility for his actions, but it wasn't enough for, for, the, uh, for the prosecutor. Uh, Robinson, uh, that that this was that, that he had said these things. He wanted more. He wanted him to take more responsibility and feel worse for it. After he was initially convicted of these things, uh, and while he was in the court, he was smiling a lot, uh, which should indicate to you that you are dealing with one of two things. One, you're dealing with someone who has some sort of mental issue taking place, or two, you have a person there whose mind does not comprehend what's going on Mm -hmm. because probably of the age of the person that's there, you know, and it's just the the gleefulness of of these people in imposing this sentence on a kid. that's going to keep him locked up now until he's in his forties. It's just, you know, well, I mean, you know, This is a justice system that has, <clears throat> pardon me, a very bloody history uh, when it comes to young black men going back to 
uh, well, we could argue going all the way back to slavery, but I'll just, but I'll just say, if you want to even go back to the 20th century, I mean, uh, there are documented cases of, of black children being charged with crimes less, less even serious than this one, as I recall and uh, convicted, and in, in fact, in one case, I wish I could remember the young man's name. I want to say it was George, um, um, something like that. I uh, can't remember his name, but he was executed. I think this was in South Carolina. And, I think um, I'm talking about, yes, yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's a real callousness towards, there's been a, there's a demonstrated callousness toward uh, young black males in particular here. But, you know, uh, this is the same country where black children were lynched, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and, and so there's, you know, I just, I would say that it, it is embedded in our system. It is like this callousness is embedded in our system. So here you've got a young man who at 15, as we've already said, was immature the defense has said that the young man has some mental health issues and some mm-hmm. extenuating family circumstances. Mm-hmm. So that would suggest some developmental issues in that young man, emotionally, mentally, and maybe otherwise. He's 15, hanging out with people that are six and seven years older than he is, you know, which also suggests uh, somewhat of a problem. And it also suggests that whatever role he played in what was going on could not have risen to the level uh, at which he should be held with this this sort of intense level of accountability. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom line is, he didn't even pull a trigger. Yeah. He did not pull a trigger. So yeah. the logic of the law that says, because a police officer killed somebody, this kid should be held accountable. He should become the biblical scape, scapegoat, as it were. I don't mm-hmm. understand that. How do you make that kid the scapegoat for this person's life when the police officer is the one who killed the person? It makes no, there's just nothing. There is no way in hell. There's no way in hell that you can tell me that there's justice in that. There's no justice yeah. in that. No, there's no justice in any of this. I mean, there's no, uh, you know, I, I don't, if if one of, okay, I you know, you, you can almost better understand it if, if they broke into one of these homes and a, a homeowner was there and there was an exchange of gunfire and one of the, one of the people he was with shot the homeowner and the homeowner died. Okay. Uh, then, you know, you could see th- that maybe all of these, all of these guys, you know, w- would be subject to, to a stiffer penalty uh, because they were all participating in this. And, but even that, I, you know, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, you know, I, I don't agree in holding someone accountable for what somebody else does in, in a certain situation. We all, we all, we're, you know, again, we're all mature enough at this point to understand that the, that people do the these sort of criminal acts for a variety of reasons, and very rarely is that is 
the cause of their actions that they're just evil people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it oftentimes has something to do with with various circumstances and and a, a feeling of, of, you know, trying to fit in with groups and things like that. And often when we we do spend just a, a small amount of time with some of these people, they they very quickly see, you know, the error of what they were doing and they are willing to accept uh, responsibility for the actions and then make some effort in turning themselves around and, and becoming better human beings. And that's proven all over the world. That's not some liberal fantasy uh, that I'm living with here. Yeah, some people are not going to be reformed. Some people are going to resist it and they're not going to do these things uh, because they're too hard. But a lot of people, especially young people, will do them. They will do them. They will take on uh, on on a on a corrective path and uh, and and turn them. And it's honestly listening to what he said in court. It it seems as though Lakeith Smith has done that. You know, while in prison, it seems as though I mean, he was. You know, I thought I, I felt like what he said was was very. Uh, it was very apologetic and very you know self aware, uh, and and obviously. You know, it's something that that he's he's worked on. Uh, but yeah. you know, I just I don't know, man. It just to me is it's so it was so callous, especially I mean, because I know this this system of judges. This is in Elmore County, um, and Sibley Reynolds is the judge uh, who. I mean, let's I'll be honest. I'll be honest. He should not stand in judgment of anybody. Mm. Uh, you know, knowing what I know about the man. And uh, is what you know public record, or is this off the record yeah, stuff? Yeah, I would say. I mean, some of it I, I would say is probably public stuff, and I think that there is a history. There's a history of racism with that entire court. Uh, I documented one of those cases uh, in which a uh, a Hispanic man was sentenced to 99 years in prison for essentially falling asleep at the wheel. Mm. Uh, yeah, he fell, he fell asleep at the wheel and uh, in and crossed the center line hit a lady that was coming home from work head on. Uh, you know, he shouldn't have been driving, uh, but they tried to make it, uh, they tried to turn it into something that it was not. They tried to turn it into basically a DUI case when there was no evidence that he he was drunk. He was above the legal limit. He had drank several hours beforehand. And when he was tested at the hospital later, uh, he didn't register. Uh, it didn't register as, as a DUI. And so, it just, it, it, but it they turned it into something. While at the same time, we watch kids that are in very similar situations walk away with far less simply because of the color of their skin and um, you know and their social standing. You know these they, these people went nuts about an illegal immigrant killing uh, a, a nurse on her way home from work. Well, you know all of that is wrong. You know he mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't intentionally kill her, which is what was implied, and he wasn't an illegal immigrant. Uh, which is, you know, an offensive term in and of itself, right. which didn't stop the Clanton advertiser from printing it on the mm. front page of their newspaper. Uh, but he was not illegal. He was in the in the country legally on a work visa that was expiring. The reason why he was going through Prattville is he was stopping on his way out of the country to see some family members down there because his work visa was expiring within the next two weeks. Wow. And it just, wow. you know, and so it just. So, it's, so you know, man, like, trying to do the right thing is penalized. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he should not have been. He went to mm-hmm. uh, he got off work. He went to a party. 
uh, stayed at the party for a while, slept very little, got in his truck after uh, he had not been drinking for like eight hours or so or six hours or some, some, something like that. He had got, got up, got in his truck and left and drove home. He's very tired. He should not have been driving you know, while tired like mm-hmm. that. But at most, uh, you know, I looked it up and at most he should have gotten somewhere three to five years mm-hmm. uh, in prison. Uh, instead, he got 99. So they treated they treated what should have been uh, almost like an involuntary manslaughter as as though it was a murder. Yeah, yeah, basically, and you know, and by comparison, and I've written this as well. The uh, the white kid who killed Rod Bramlett, who was the voice of the Auburn Tigers for mm-hmm. a long time, mm-hmm. and his wife uh, in a very similar situation, only almost identical situation. Uh, in which they did find, you know, marijuana in the system, which I, I don't, you know, put a lot of stock into into that. I don't think it's any worse than you know, people say, oh, there's marijuana in the system. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. But he fell asleep, ran into the back of him, killed him. Um, hmm. Where's he? Probably at home chilling or at work, right? That's exactly where he is. He didn't go to jail. Mm-hmm. Jury didn't go for 99 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and so that's, that's what and and this kid had way more uh, the the uh, the uh, Hispanic man in in Prattville, he did, he had no record at all he had no criminal record uh, this kid over here he's got a got a laundry list of problems but he's white and he's related to the right people and mm-hmm. so we have a different sort of system for him and that's my problem with with all of this is we seem we don't seem hell we've got. Uh, a system that deals with people very differently based upon, um, you know, for, for a very long time, it, it was skin color and it still is skin color to a large degree, but it's also, uh, economic standing. As well. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. And I mean, it, you, I still think you get a better shake as a poor white man than you do as a poor black man. Uh, but you, you get screwed pretty heavily as a poor white person as well these days, uh, because they've essentially pushed you out of the, out of the system as well. Mm-hmm. And and set up a, a whole other uh, court uh, for themselves, and mm-hmm. you know that's that. But that's the way we've rolled for forever. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I mean, you know, even if you go back to the creation of the 1901 Constitution, I mean, it was it was a uh, it had two. Uh, I would say it targeted two distinct demographic groups. One obviously was black people as mm-hmm. a whole. But then the second group that it targeted was poor whites, you know, because it was a, it was a, it was a it was a gangster move by the landowners and the power brokers of this state to control as much as they could what was happening in terms of voting and in terms of economics, and so they made certain decisions and they created a, a, a basically a, a what you might say is a multi tiered system so that um, at least culturally and also politically. Uh, you know, poor whites would be below them, but then blacks would be below them. I mean, that was the yeah. whole concept. That was the whole idea. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know, it's really weird to me um, the lack of the lack of knowledge that a lot of people have about certain things. And you know, I, I'll give you one. Like whenever I tell the story about this Hispanic man, and I talk about how you know the, the system screwed him. One of the things I tell people is this. Right, so he he was arrested for this put in the jail, and then they were not going to be able to hold him, where his family had come and, and put up the bail money for him. And so he bonded out. So uh, instead of releasing him immediately, after they paid the $5,000 in bail money, instead of releasing him immediately, 
the people in Prattville called ICE. Mm-hmm. And ICE came and got him from the jail and held him in a detainment facility in Montgomery illegally because mm-hmm. he was still here illegal. He was, mm-hmm. st- he was still here legally mm-hmm. at this point, but they held him illegally. The bond, the bonds person refused to give them their $5,000 back hmm. because she said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put up a bond for Prattle. Hmm. And this happens all the time. That lady told me, the bonds person there told me that it's happened. It happened five times this week hmm. where they'll call somebody, get the bond, pay the bond. And then, uh, they'll, uh, they'll call ICE or another another law enforcement agency to come pick somebody up. The person never gets out of jail. The, the family doesn't know any better. The bonds person takes the money from the family, usually a poor family. Uh, you know, they had to scrape together five thousand dollars to get this kid out. Yeah, yeah. And and they and then and they put the they put the person back in jail somewhere else. And and I mean it's just a whole system like this. And it's and it's built, it's 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 maintained on people's lack of knowledge of how things work. You know, it's, it's no different than how we ended up in this situation forever. I was telling somebody last night, uh, you know, this whole this whole deal that we have about how, oh, the South and, and you know, it was it was the northern aggression. And, you know, and if you ever doubt that, just look at how many non slaveholder uh, folks went and fought for the South during the Civil War. You know, you hear this all the time about what pride they took in the South. You know, why those people were fighting because they were forced to fight. The South had a draft. They, 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 the lawmakers in the South, the new country, passed a law that said every able-bodied male had to serve for three years in combat. Hmm. Except for, can you, can you guess where, where the exception might, have lied, might, might lie in that? Landowners. Uh, slave owners. Unless you well, own 20 owners, or more slaves. Specifically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless you own 20 or more slaves, mm-hmm. which, in which case you could be exempt from fighting. Mm-hmm. And, but everybody else was forced to go and fight, uh, which is and, another with another argument <clears throat> or another way of proving that uh, you know, despite all of the foolish rhetoric about how it was about states' rights, no, it wasn't about mm-hmm. states' rights. It was about the right to own slaves. Exactly. You that's know exactly what. It yeah, was that's about. another yes. that's another piece of proof right there. Yeah, and it just you know it was so. Uh, anyway, it, it, but it just carries forward. It just carries forward, carries forward over and over. And they rely upon the misinformation to sell the horseshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what all of this is. And it, the the day that poor and working class white people realize that they have way the hell more in common than p- with poor and working class minorities of any sort mm-hmm. is the day that things change for the better. All right. Until then, you're going to keep getting And that day is never going to come, in my opinion. I hate to say that, but I just don't think it's ever going to come, especially uh, in the uh, in this in the former the states of the the former Confederate states, because the mythology is too strong here and it's too embedded in the culture. The idea that that there's got to be this sort of racial hierarchy based on white supremacy. It's just too embedded in the culture. So, you know, consequently, when you have people that are trying to move in that direction, you know, well, let's look at who some of them were. You know, Dr. King, well, he was assassinated. Mm -hmm. 
And that was exactly the direction he was moving in. He was trying to 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 uh, move beyond just civil rights for <clears throat> disenfranchised black people. And he was moving uh, in the direction of uh, civil rights for disenfranchised poor white people as well. And he had begun to articulate that. The strike in Memphis, the garbage strike in yep. Memphis is, is a great example of that. You know, yep. and of course, Memphis is where he was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had um, even, and I know he's he's much maligned because of his days with the Nation of Islam as Malcolm X. But when Malcolm X left the nation and became El Haj Malik El Shabazz, he was moving in that same direction. You know, the direction of trying to unify people, just disenfranchised people, not just disenfranchised black people, but just disenfranchised people. And what happened with him? He was killed, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, so now we have people like, um, you know, we have people like uh, the Reverend Dr. William Barber, you know, yeah. who's leading a poor people's campaign. Uh, and it's a multiracial, multireligious, you know, campaign. <clears throat> you know, they haven't killed him yet. But, yeah. uh, but, if it ever, if, but if it ever reaches a certain level of effectiveness, well, God help him. I mean, I hate to yeah. say it, but God help him. No, you know? I mean, it's uh, at this point, why wouldn't you say it? You know, why yeah. wouldn't you say it? It's uh, it, you're right. And it's you, you, you can't allow that to, to take place. And, you know, you hate to say, you know, that there's a there's a conspiracy or something along those lines. But it's not necessarily a conspiracy. It's not you know, it's not some some real organized uh, you know, group of people that are out. It's just people, you know, protecting their money. Uh, you know, and this is this is the system that they have in place. It's just, it's the system that works. It's the reason why you know your incumbents get reelected at a ninety percent clip, and uh, the shit is gerrymandered all to hell and back. Is because this is the system that works for a certain group of people, and they have a vested interest whether or not they are working together with each other. They have a vested interest in keeping it keeping the status quo and and not allowing things to progress well, the, uh, in the any con- way, shape, or form. The conspiracy may not be murder, mm-hmm. but the conspiracy certainly is, as you said, to preserve the status quo. Yes. That yes. that for sure is where the conspiracy yeah. is. Right. Yeah. I, all I was saying is, is, is it may not be an organized conspiracy. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not be holding meetings in the back room like the White Citizens Council, but they're right. certainly hold, you know, they certainly are all moving in the same direction. Uh, and there, and there's a there's a vested interest in, in maintaining the way things are mm-hmm. so that their money continues to roll. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, I tell you what, let's uh, slide out of here. Uh, we're going to get in uh, uh, Representative Jeremy Gray uh, when we come back. He's going to talk about a bipartisan. What? A bipartisan effort he has uh, with a, a fellow with a Republican uh, colleague uh, to to establish a caucus that that I guess you know does bipartisan things. Mm. I, I honestly, I, it's so foreign of a concept. I don't even know how to talk about. This it. is in the Alabama uh, legislature. I, apparently so. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I know. Right. Uh, uh, I, I believe honestly, it's a, it was something that uh, that was attempted with. Uh, uh, Anthony Daniels a, a few years ago, and uh, Jeremy Gray and West Kitchens has, have, have re- tried to restart it. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll talk to him about that and about some tax cuts and uh, other things going on in, uh, in the legislature this week and uh, what, what we might expect in the next few I'm weeks. I'm just going to so. warn you. I'm going to be a little skeptical of this, okay? <laughs> just going to be a little skeptical. 
So yes. just when you hear yes. the cynicism in my voice during this conversation, just understand I, I gave you warning. Well, I, listen, I, I think a healthy dose of skepticism is warranted uh, right. at all times, all uh, especially right. with anybody in the legislature. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's slide out. We'll be back in just a minute. Alabama Politics this week. Uh, if y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Well, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that Davis and Andrew and guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just just go and, and rate and review and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're gonna leave a bad one. Don't do don't do that. Just don't, don't, like that. don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty, welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week, and uh, we are happy now, uh, David and I are happy to have with us uh, Jeremy Gray, Representative Jeremy Gray, um, uh, who is, uh, we talked about leading into this, uh, Representative. First of all, thank you thank you for spending some time and being here. I know y'all are busy down there. Thank you for having me. Huh? Yeah. Well, we talked about uh, coming in, um, <laughs> that, that you are attempting something. I Honestly, I didn't know that the word still existed. Uh, but it's bipartisan. Uh, there, there is a there's a bipartisan, a millennial bipartisan caucus. I, I've never heard of such a thing. It's like honestly, it's like seeing a pterodactyl fly by. Uh, but uh, what what is you and West Kitchens correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm hoping that there are going to be more people. But uh, tell people what exactly it is y'all are trying to do. Yeah, so Millennial Action Project is a national organization, right? Okay. And so I've been a part of Millennial Action Project for the last year or so. And so I just saw uh, the workings of their assignment. They have a lot of Zoom and inter- informational uh, sessions of how to navigate as millennial or Gen Z in the state house, right? A lot of times you're new, you don't know what's going on, you don't know the process. You don't know how to streamline media, negotiate, all those things like that. And they they provide those things, right? And so within a year of being a part of this organization, I received the Rising Star Award for uh, one of the most bipartisan Democrats in, you know, in the nation, along with a fellow Republican from Arkansas. And so we went up to D.C. and things of that nature. So from that uh, opportunity, I saw that each state, well, at least 30 states had a future caucus and Alabama didn't have one. And the last time we had one was when Chris England and Kyle South actually launched the first bipartisan uh, millennial and Gen Z caucus. And so all we're, all we're doing is relaunching that. We're just okay. saying that um, 45 and younger, we can come together, we can help each other, and we may be the future leaders. So if we start working together now on the small things, when it becomes big things or people become governors or things of that nature, we know how to work across the aisle. And so that was kind of the premises of putting this together. I told Mount that I would actually work to relaunch it. They they recruited Wes, right? So Wes, Wes representative of West Kitchens 
was recruited. He agreed. He ran it through leadership. And that's how we kind of got here with the Alabama Future Caucus. Nice. You know, I like the idea of there being, uh, you know, some training and some help uh, for for younger members, when, especially when they first come in. And I think y'all are y'all are dealing with a lot of that now. Whether there are twenty five or so new members that are, uh, I think it's thirty one freshmen. Thirty one. Is that right? Thirty one. Yeah. Ooh, uh-huh. yeah, thirty thirty one youngins running around there. Uh, yeah, make sure you you tell Coach Plump I called him a youngin too. Uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll like that. Uh, but I mean, it's still, it's, a uh, you know, it is a, uh, it's a, there's a learning curve. There's a learning, there, there's an expectation and you haven't been doing this all that long. I mean, what, so when, when you came in, can you think of anything when you came in that was just a huge surprise to you about the way things worked and, or anything that took you a little while to catch on to? Like any job or even when I play sports pretty much all my life, you go right. through a thorough training of mm-hmm. how things are supposed to happen. It's not like one or two days. It's over a period of time. And right? right. And so you actually get in and you actually do some training, but you basically just kind of let go and right. you have to figure it out. You have to be fast on your feet. You don't have to know how to utilize LSA, where the bathroom is, where my parking at. You like you, you have all these <laughs> things going but yeah. you're getting millions of emails. Things are happening in your district and you're getting attacked a thousand miles per hour. And in the house, we don't we don't have just one clerk per member. Right. We share a clerk. So you talked about 12, 13 members per, per clerk. And so we're yeah. answering all our emails. You know, we're spending emails, phone calls. We're doing it ourselves. So sometimes it become overwhelming your first couple of years. And then you have to read all these bills and figure out, what side are you going to take? Having someone like Millennium Action Project to say, I don't understand this process. Do you have someone that can mentor me? Do you all have like wraparound services that can help me with bill analysis, things of that nature? I think that really helps, especially in your first two years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Cause I've heard, I've heard the same thing from a lot of people who say, man, I didn't even know where the bathroom was my first <laughs> week here. You know, he's like, I, you know, I was, it was literally somebody was like, I, I knew there was a bathroom on the first floor. So I just kept going down to the first floor to the bathroom. And so I was like, yeah, <laughs> it took, it took him the whole, uh, basically the whole session to figure out there was one on the floor right next to his office. But right. you know, it, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of that stuff. You, we just kind of toss people into the wolves, uh, so to speak, a lot of, in a lot of ways. And I mean, there are some trainings and things, yeah, ethics trainings good. and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but, uh, for the most part, just on your day to day, it's left up to you to figure out what you're supposed to do every day and how you're supposed to go and uh, and handle, you know, constituents and lobbyists and everything. It's just a, uh, it really is kind of overwhelming at times. Yeah, de- definitely. It is, you know, and when I first came in, a t- tornado hit my district and basically it killed 23 people two yeah. days before session started. So oh, just think okay. about that, right, in 2019. Yeah. And so you just you just never know. You get in these positions sometimes and, you you know, you may uh, you see TV or you may think you know the process and then you get in. It's totally different. Well, Jeremy, let me first start off by saying that um, I like the name Jeremy a lot. In fact, my son comes. Is, he's setting you up, Jeremy. He's setting you my, up. Here he comes. My son's name is Jeremy. So I like I like that name a lot. <clears throat> but. Um, but I have to say, and Josh is right, um, I have a high degree of skepticism and cynicism about 
about putting the words bipartisan and Alabama legislature in the same sentence. So I'm going to ask you some questions here. Now, uh, let me let me ask you first. I just want to make sure I'm clear on who you are. I think I am, but I want to make sure I'm clear on who you are. So uh, last year, when you guys voted on HB 312, which prohibited the teaching of certain concepts related to race, sex, or religion, what did you vote? What was your vote, yay or nay? I can tell you what my vote was on HB, you said 312? HB 312. You know, it's the big, it's the big, it's the big bill. It was a CRT bill. Uh, is the divisive concepts. Oh, of course. You know, I voted against, I mean, come on. Okay. I just oh, yeah. Be, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, how did you vote on the bill related to per- permit, permitless carry of handguns? Where, where were you on that? I was, I was a no. You were a no on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are you on the bill? Related to uh, requiring students to use bathrooms that correspond with their uh, their assigned uh, or their assumed gender, I'll say assumed gender at birth. Where where were you on that? I was I was against that bill. Uh, it was a bill that ooh, Stack Hagen brought. I was against that bill. Okay, yeah. so you it was, voted- the bathroom, it was the bathroom bill, right? Right. Yes. Right. Bill. So I I just pulled three examples, Jeremy, Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. you voted no, Mm -hmm. but your boy, Wes Kitchens, voted yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. He voted yes. (laughs) Well, why you got to be his boy? Well, because, you know, that's how I roll. You know, you know how I do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me just tell you, Jeremy, uh, my boy is Will Ainsworth. Okay. Uh, Because one day I said, I like, I like Will. Okay. And then we get along. So I made made Will Ainsworth his boy. That's how I roll. Yeah. yeah. But but David's girl is Kay Ivey. So, but go ahead. And that's not true. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So, so my question is. If if you and Wes Kitchens are as far apart as I assumed you were on mm-hmm. three things that are fundamental to the, mm-hmm. the cultural debate in this state, how mm-hmm. in the world do you expect to be able to achieve bipartisanship on issues that matter? I, I look at bills like my grace period bill. It was a criminal justice reform bill to give 80, uh, 180 days to prisoners transitioning from prison to to the society, right? Mm-hmm. That was bipartisanship. I passed that bill. I was one of the few people, I mean, just as hard as it is to pass any other bill mm-hmm. out of the legislature, when you have a super uh, majority conservative uh, party, um, criminal justice reform bills don't actually get their date in court as well. So bills like that, bills like the Innovation Alabama bills, Bills like the yoga bill, like there are commonalities that we can come to, right? But there are, there are also things that are going to divide us based on whether we're a DOR. And so it's, it's really about how we can come close to a compromise, right? It, it doesn't have to be a short-term compromise, maybe a long-term. We have to start off with some simple bills, right, that we can come together as millennials and say that we want to have our partnership with. We can't we can't attack the, the big bits, right? We we understand the dynamic of the state and where we are political wise in Alabama, but that doesn't mean that we can't come together and think about things like AI, crypto, things that 
young people are a part of our everyday life. They may not be a part of everyone's everyday life up here right now. And so it, just having a group that you can talk about those issues and having a common thread, a compromise of how we push those pieces of legislation or how we bring awareness to it, I think that's a great start. Are we going to conquer the world and, you know, in Alabama with just straight down a line bipartisanship? No. But can we get there one day? Maybe. Well, you know, I will say, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably twice your age. I'm 59 years old. How old are you? I'm 37. 37. Yeah. Well, I'm not twice your age, but I'm, but I got you by a good 22 years. So <clears throat> that means that I have 22 years more of disappointment, disillusionment, and cynicism <laughs> built into me than you do. So I, I, I understand your youthful optimism. I respect it. And I actually hope, there's a part of me that does hope that you're right. That at some point, at some time, we can, for the sake of the people of Alabama, who have great, genuine, and I would even argue some urgent needs, I would mm-hmm. hope that bipartisanship can prevail at some point. But I have to be honest with you, Jeremy. I see you as a person of goodwill, but I see you as a person who is uh, uh, who is sort of uh, on a Don Quixote-like quest. You know, mm-hmm. that you were, as, as they used to say, you were tilting at windmills, my brother. I just don't believe that in the final analysis, <clears throat> any Republican in the state of Alabama is going to be able to go as far as this state needs them to go when it comes to the urgent issues. Medicaid expansion is one example. This divisive concepts bill, man, I think this is something that's going to create real problems for the young people of our state in the future. And the fact that Kitchens voted yes for this, to me, says all I need to hear. I mean, I got to be honest with you. And you're right, right? But the fight is to keep fighting, right? Like, if we give up and I just say, yeah, I'm just up here, we're not going to have bipartisanship, it is what it is, then I'm actually quitting on Alabama and I'm quitting on myself. And so imagine each day that I wake up with no motivation, not optimistic, I might as well die, right? And so someone has to fight. Someone has to keep going in sports. You know, I'm an athlete, uh, well, former athlete. When when I went into playing the number one team or number 10 team, and we were the number 35 team, I didn't go in like, we're not going to win this game because they did so much better. You have to play the game and you have to come on the other side. And so they're just a part of life. And if people didn't have that hope and those dream and aspirations of a better Alabama, then, you know, why are you here? Or why do you wake up each and every day? Right. And, and so you have to ask yourself that. And so if I just do nothing, right, then I'm a part of the problem. So I'm going to try to be a part of the solution to I get to a solution. If I don't, I can say that I did everything that I could do with my power to steer Alabama in the right direction. And, you know, Wes Kitchen, he has to live with whatever decision he makes, you know, 20, 30 years from now. But we can say we came together to work together in some bipartisan way. Maybe it's not in the way that people truly think bipartisanship should work, but, you know, we have to start somewhere. 
Well, again, I you're a good you're a good young brother, and I I can't argue with anything that you just said. Uh, I remain cynical and disillusioned, but I, I'm glad that you're in the fight, man. I'm glad you're in the fight. Listen, cynical and disillusioned is just how a lot of elderly people live, okay? I mean, and that's just, you know, uh, that's just how we get to this point, you know? So, uh, so uh, uh, but listen, I, I will say, I will say there are, a, I, I, know what you, I know what you mean. There are a couple of bills out there. Uh, that, that will have bipartisan support. Uh, and there's already, uh, there you've already seen some of it. My boy, Will Ainsworth, is, uh, <laughs> is already supportive of, of killing the grocery tax, uh, which, yeah, is, that's true. Uh, that's a, which true. is a proposal by, by the Democrats. And, uh, and the overtime tax is starting to, you know, the repealing of the overtime. So there are some bills like that, right? Y'all are pushing tax cuts this, mm-hmm. this session. That'll, that'll get some support, right? That's right. And it, and that's what it starts with. It starts with economics. Right. And if you can, you know, most of, of what we deal with in Alabama in general and other states is just an economic disparity. Right. So we have to start somewhere. Right. You may not be able to start as far as like, you know, gender and race. But if we could talk about just things that we all agree on, like we all want a better life. We all want some form of great health care, great education and things of that nature. If you start there, you can get to the other things, right? And so that that's just a great start of things that with the grocery tax. I think they've been trying to pass that for like 20 years, right? 20, 20 yeah. 25 years. Yeah, it started right? out with John yeah, Knight so, no, years, years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. So look look at where we are now. He may have never thought that bill would ever get a day. And now we may be close to actually getting that bill up on the calendar and voting on it in this legislative session. So it is a process to it. It's a long process, but you have to be willing to do the work. Yeah, there there are. You know, you're right. Uh, a lot of a lot of the years that that John was was trying to pass that thing, um, it, it was they they would laugh about it. You know, and then uh, he would basically be banging his head against the wall. And and so yeah, you're right. I, I wanted to ask too. You know, we talked a lot about the bipartisan stuff and or the lack thereof. Um, and there's, I, it seems like. To, to David's point, uh, because I'm, I'm approaching his elderly age as we, you know, as we sit here, and so I'm, I, I understand more of what he's saying. But but no, in, ser- in all seriousness, um, it, it seems as though because of the gerrymandering that has kind of polarized us to the to you know on each side, way more so on the right. We all know that. Yeah. Uh, but you know they, they've they've pushed so far to the right. Uh, I think from the outside looking in that they continue to get crazier and crazier and crazier on that side of the aisle. And so I wonder, dealing with these new folks that are coming in, uh, a lot of the new Republicans that are that are there, have you found them? So I know it's early, no, it's way early, mm-hmm. but have you found them to be more open uh, to working or are they pushing back the other way? No, I feel like. I have a lot of dialogue. So I, I think a lot of times that's what it starts with, right? If yeah. we were work, walking around a state house where no one was actually talking to anyone, no one was actually shaking each other's hand, and I would probably have some concerns, but the relationship part is the key part, right? Once you can build a relationship, you can talk about bills. I have several freshman Republicans that come in to talk to me about situations. And so maybe... I may think of them far because they just don't understand the system, right? right? And the only way to really understand the system 
have to go through the system, right? You have to carry the water. You have to go through the hazing process. It's just like anything, right? When yeah. you first going into something, your dreams are big. I'm going to do right. this. I'm going to do that and all those things. And then you meet the process. And your yeah. dreams and the process are two different playing fields <laughs> right. yeah. and timelines, right? And yeah. so after a while, we'll, they'll all come down, right? I think yeah. we kind of had members like that when we first, uh, our first quadrennium where, you know, it was a big group of freshmen and they were young. It was, I mean, it was like eight or 10 people under the age of 35, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you have that and when you've been afforded the opportunity to do whatever you want in life without opposition, and then you come into a system that basically tells you that no matter how many bills you bring, we're only going to pass a third of them. It's just, it's just a tough process. And so you have to go through those growing pains. Some of it is, you know, joy, some of it is pain, but it's the process. Yeah. Well, listen, if they if they stop by to, to talk to you about things, could you explain to Ernie Yarborough how vaccines work? Um, <laughs> is that something you could you could do for us? Because I don't I don't think he knows. Um, uh, listen, I, I appreciate you coming by yeah. and and uh, and taking David's grilling. Uh, you know, the, he, otherwise he would have just been here yelling at clouds. Uh, and so I've been you know, yelling at Josh. Yeah, you've been yelling at me. Yeah, what's an area, young whippersnapper? Uh, but uh, seriously, though, it, it uh, we really do appreciate you coming by and spending the time and and the work that you're trying to do. Keep up the keep up the good work. Keep trying to to build the bridges, even if the guy on the other side keeps burning them. Um, mm. and, uh, and and do what mm. you can. Thank you. I appreciate it. Somebody has to do the work, so you know. Yeah. You do it. That's yeah. right. That that is right. That's uh, that's Jerry, Representative Jeremy Gray, and and you know, uh, I, I I agree with with David for the most part that I think the Republicans are going to slap the hand every time they can. But it, it's admirable to find somebody that's willing to work at it and keep going. And and that's I think that's what he's what what Jeremy's doing, and uh, yeah. I, I, I commend him for for that. And um and hopefully he 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 will find some success, but. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's all you can do is try, right? One of these days, that pendulum's going to swing the other way. So, all right, let's slide out of here. We'll uh, we'll come back and wrap this baby up. Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. If you're hearing my voice, that means you are a fan of Alabama politics this week, and I want to tell you how grateful I am that you listen and that you're engaged with what Josh and I talk about every week. So I want to ask you to continue listening and uh, continue to support us and definitely reach out with ideas, comments, suggestions. Uh, your support makes a difference and it means a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Our thanks to Jeremy Gray for spending a few minutes and uh, our apologies for the way David grilled him. Those things. I mean, <laughs> he's a nice young man, though. He's, he's a nice he's, young man. He's, he's, he's a good guy. And I think his, his heart is in the right place. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, his heart is in the right place because bipartisanship is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You but, know, I think I think you can tell when you've reached a certain age in life because you say that that phrase. Well, his heart is in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a definitely over a certain age certain thing. Because I've said I've said that about some people of late, and I thought, and I remember thinking to myself, I've never said that about anybody in my life. Why am I saying that phrase? <laughs> his heart is in the right place. Yeah, that's what I'm talking that's, about. I wonder if that's the male version of bless 
bless your heart. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> like, bless your heart, or just it's just like you know you're so weary of just attacking people all the time. It's like, well, his heart is in the right place. I mean, he's not a complete asshole with this thing, so let's just let him go. Well, it's, uh, a, it's I think in my in, in this particular case, it, it's my effort to acknowledge the goodwill yeah. in what he's trying to do. Right. Yeah, I understand. I understand <clears throat> so, that. It's you know, yeah, he's, it is goodwill. It is goodwill. He's trying. He's trying to do something good, and 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 that's uh, maybe maybe they the younger folks will uh, will, will carry forward with a uh, with a new bit of bipartisanship. I have my doubts, but you know, yeah, I think I, uh, I, the I, money's too much. But we'll. I see. believe it when I see it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, uh, I was going to ask you. I forgot. Uh, about this at the at the beginning we were doing all of our entertainment and tv stuff did you fill out a bracket this year i did not i did not fill Mm -hmm. out a bracket and and i have not filled out a bracket in years because i really okay so while you know like i told you i grew up in chicago and nba guy right right so well you guys are following college basketball i'm deep into the nba season (laughs) Well, I, I'm, I do both. I do both. I, I like both. Yeah. Uh, well, and I honestly, I, honestly, I don't follow college basketball all that much. I do a mm. little bit more now than I used to just because Auburn and Alabama are, are a lot better, uh, mm. you know, and especially that Alabama team that we've talked about several times, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, did you see the, speaking of that, did you see the, uh, the basically the defense attorney's <laughs> Uh, uh, reworking of what happened that night in the in patch the patch dot com story. No, uh, I missed that story. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. It's a it's an interesting uh, thing it's where he says he goes through the video. the The writer of that story says he goes through the video. It's it's a little too um, it's a little too one sided. I would say for uh, for a lot of folks to to buy. And I I saw it. A, an attorney had posted it, and this was an Alabama fan attorney. Uh, who had posted it. And even he said that it was just a little too over the top for him. Although it did, you know, if some of the things were true, it does kind of paint things in a bit of a different light. Although I don't, I don't, I said to him on the, on the post, I don't know that it necessarily changes uh, the basic facts of things uh, of what happened and, and the so criticism what's the, that a lot of people have. Uh, the the, the, the basic of- thing that, that it would have changed is it, the, you know, there has been, the overall theme, I guess, of what the prosecution believes took place was that um, the players and their friend who did the shooting were more of the aggressors uh, in this act uh, over a period of time. That they, you know, they had met up with them. They had, they had kind of pursued this conflict. Uh, you know, that they had asked for the gun and then they had, you know, uh, basically cornered these folks in in a small area behind a club. And this was this, uh, you know, according to this story and that which he said so showed uh, things on video, uh, it showed the the Jeep, which had uh, the young lady Harris who was killed in it, um, that they kind of was were circling the block several times. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it made it seem as though maybe they were the ones that were continuing the conflict and they were the ones that that kind of went into this alleyway after. I don't think it was an alleyway. It was a it was a street, but it, it almost looks like an alleyway, according to a lot of people, uh, mm-hmm. because it's, it's such a narrow kind of passage. And uh, and they were the ones that went into this place after uh, the players and their friend were already there. Uh, now. 
the the friend still approaches the the jeep with a gun, uh, and then the shooting starts. And also in this story, it says the first shot. It's it appears as if the first shot is fired from within the jeep. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? It I, I knowing what Alabama's stand your ground or defense laws are here. If you go up to somebody's car with a gun after you've already had a conflict, uh, I'm pretty sure you're within your rights for somebody to shoot at you. Um, but I, you know, I honestly, it's going to get sorted out. And, and I, for me, I've said all along, you know, I, it, it's not, I, I don't, I don't want any of the players to be in jail here. Okay. I, I'm not mm-hmm. even sure. I'm not even sure miles should, I, I don't know why miles is really charged in this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He handed a gun to somebody mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know where you you say that this is something that that should be an act that that puts you in prison. Okay, I understand a young lady died, and and I think the people, the person who fired that gun, and the other people that were firing weapons, I think they should be charged in in, in the world mm-hmm. that I live in. Mm-hmm. Now, the world that everybody has created around here is that they're okay with everybody having a damn gun and shooting at each other. All right, right. but in my world, I right. think the two people who were firing guns that night were incredibly reckless and should be charged and put in jail for for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my problem with the Alabama team is is that their head coach and administration at the school have not taken some sort of actions and I compared it last week to the John Morant thing where they took him aside and said, "Hey man, listen, you got bright future here. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's pull it back. Let's take some time away from basketball. Let's go and get some counseling. Let's talk to people about what you should be doing and how life should be going for you." And I felt like that sort of a reset was necessary for these Alabama players because man, they were really comfortable with this uh, that world in which they were talking about guns and carrying guns and uh, and doing a lot of that shit that they don't they shouldn't be a part of. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be. Is it legal for them? Yes, but they shouldn't be worrying with that shit right now. All right, they've got especially Brandon Miller, man. You've got a whole life where you could support, you could change your entire family, you yeah. know, and everybody who knew you for the better. And don't. Don't do this. Don't get in this situation. And the adults over there should have been taking more interest in them. And I, you know, and I, I, you know, I don't know if you saw what Nick Saban said uh, because they had a, a player uh, that got caught with a weapon and was arrested. Um, and I mean, it sure as hell seemed like Nick Saban threw Nate Oates right under the bus hmm. uh, because he said, you know, he's suspended from the team. And in our world, there's no such thing as wrong place at wrong time. Mm-hmm. You got to know who your friends are and who you're with, and you got to make better decisions. And I, if that wasn't a direct shot at Nate Oates, I don't know what the hell it was. Right. Well, I think. Uh, well, yeah, and it may have been that as as well. But I think it also is a strong statement to his players that look, you yeah. know, whatever is happening across campus, yeah, that mess ain't happening here. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. That's not the culture that we are going to cultivate here. And I give him, and I give him props for that. Um, yeah. You know these, <clears throat> you know um, these young men, uh, in in some cases, not all, uh, are coming from uh, challenging environments. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think you know John Morant's situation is a it certainly typifies that. Yes. Uh, you know, but. Um, you know, uh, from what I understand of his situation, at least I'll say that, even though he 
he, unlike a lot of these young men, he knows who his father is and he's, you know, he's got, you know, he apparently has a, a relationship with his dad and, mm-hmm. you know, that sometimes is the problem. But any, you know, uh, <laughs> it, well, I'm sorry, is the problem, no, no, I think you missed, I, I, oh, I thought you were talking about T. Morant uh, at the, on the, on the sidelines well, uh, sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the fathers yeah. like that can be a problem, but I mean, what I'm actually saying is, Sometimes the problem is they don't have. Right, I understand. Yes, some yeah. do not have males yeah. in their lives yeah. who are And I, I, let me let me just say this: I laughed, and I, I want to be clear because I think T. Morant uh, and um, uh, Ball uh, Lonzo yeah. Lonzo's the father. Yeah, yeah Lonzo's uh, th- father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think um, Lorenzo. I think is his name. I, those guys get judged harshly a lot mm-hmm. of times because they're outspoken uh, proponents for their children. Uh, Richard Williams is another one. Yes, so Richard we, Williams is another yeah. one. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Earl Woods uh, mm-hmm. was another mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, they get criticized heavily uh, for believing in their children and pushing their children. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, the same way a bunch of white people do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and 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 I I don't I, listen. I have no problem with with, with anything that John Morant's father's done. Anything that the Balls kids' uh, father have done. Um, you know, all those guys. You know what? Promote your kids. If it, mm-hmm. you love your kids like they do, and and have pushed them, and have been involved with them for, for for that period of time, and have helped them along this way, you know, man, you don't listen to anybody. You do what you do. You know, mm-hmm. this is work for you. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I agree. I think uh, parental involvement is a great thing, especially if it's it's done in the right way. And yes. you know, we may question some of the methods. But uh, but the reality is they are involved and they seem to, at least as far as I can tell, they seem to be loving parents. But mm-hmm. again, I think, you know, some of some of these young men, not all, but some of them come from environments where it's a. Um, you know, where it's they're bringing some uh, uh, unfortunate influences into this uh, new uh, well, I'll just use the word arena into this new arena with them. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's um, and that can be problematic, as we see. And uh, and I and I like the fact that Nick Saban basically is saying, I'm taking a hard line on this because we don't yeah. want that around here, you know, and 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 we don't want to do the kind of damage that can be done, because, again, you know, for me. All of the talk about the Alabama basketball players is great, but the real travesty here is that a young mother is dead. Yes. And she's left this child to grow up without her. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's the real travesty here, you know, um, and, 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 and why whoever was to pull the trick. Well, who, I can't remember the name of the guy who's accused of Davis. Davis, Davis right. Davis. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, you know, why he felt like he had to go into this situation and do what he did, you know, why the people in the car felt like, you know, I don't know who was defending whom or whatever, but, um, but this clearly, this is a situation that escalated beyond anything that was reasonable. Yeah. And, 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 and now a young woman is dead. Over nothing. Words, Nothing. words. Yeah, words, words, and, and 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 not even, you know. I mean, 
not even really hurtful word from what what I, you can tell. You know, I mean, there, there was one one person wanted to hook up with another person's girlfriend. You know, and and it wasn't even a serious sort of a thing. It's not like he was. You know, they were they were texting back and forth, and there was some real threat to the relationship there. You know, they just saw each other at a club or outside of a club, and and it exchanged some things back and forth. It just, you know what I mean. Oh, it's so, so stupid. And uh, you're saying that they were texting. I don't think I... No, 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 knew. no. I said they weren't texting. I said it's, oh, it's not as texting. though they were texting oh. each other. Oh, 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 oh okay. uh, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. so it's it's no. No, yeah. I'm saying yeah. that they weren't... It wasn't even like that. It's that they had just saw each other at a club, and, and they were like, hey, what's up? You know, and it was like, hey, man, keep it moving. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a, you know, she's got nothing for you. And, and you know, and it's just mm-hmm. that sort of... That grew into... I need to get my gun. Hey, bring me my gun. And here's the gun. Go, you know, and a confrontation in which. So I, basically it's so dumb. What, what some of us would call bravado, machismo. Yes. It, it, it evolves into this or devolves into this sort of gangster kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're thinking, my God, was that worth that? Was no, it worth this young woman's God. life? Was all of that BS worth this young woman's life? No, and I'd say no. no. It wasn't, no. man, all that BS wasn't even worth the bullet holes in the car, you know, right. much right. less into another person. And, and the, that sort of a threat, it wasn't even worth a fist fight, you know? I mean, it just, and that's what I'm saying. We see this so clearly from the outside looking in. There's, as, as adults involved in that, they've got, somebody's got to step in and say, we, we've got to talk to these kids about this and, and how they're handling this sort of conflict because clearly their conflict resolution is lacking and their decision-making process is not something that we would, would like it to be. And so we're going to bring in some people to help them with that. And we're going to make sure that they understand the seriousness of this and how this situation has wrecked the life of one of the players already. I mean, not, Darius Miles is never going to get back away from this, no matter what happens in court. Uh, I mean, he could have a productive life. I'm not saying that, but he's never yeah, going to get yeah. back to what he had. Um, yeah. And and Brandon Miller, you know, what should be one of the greatest times of his life, where he should be celebrated as one of the best basketball players in the country, and and on this magical run with with a team that has never probably going to go farther than any team in Alabama history has ever gone. Um, you know they they can't do it because this is hanging over their heads, and because it was so mishandled. When all the university had to do was say we're going to take a week here, a week and two weeks or whatever out of games, it wouldn't have hurt them at all in the overall standings. We're going to make sure that these kids understand where they are. Uh, our apologies to the family. We're going to establish a scholarship in the name of uh, Jamia Harris uh, for her son. And then we're going to uh, move forward with making sure that we, we un- our team understands what happened, how wrong everything was, and, and we're going to get this corrected. It's mm-hmm. over. It's over. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And damn it, man. It just, you know, so. But yeah. that's, that's where we are, I guess, with, with things. And uh, yeah. you know, and I'll so, tell you one place you don't want to wind up is in the Alabama correctional yeah. system. Sure don't. Um, sure don't. Because uh, you you're not getting paroled out of there. Not even no. if you're dead. Nope. Isn't that a crazy? And I know we need to set up the story, but that's just so crazy. Oh, it is insane. This past was a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Alabama uh, Pardons and Parole Board. 
denied parole to a man who is dead. That's just, God have mercy. That's just insane. Dead. Dead. I mean, this is on top of, we had another story just a few weeks ago in which uh, there was a young man who died in prison and they buried him before even alerting his family. Uh, You know, what the hell is going on, man? It's out of control, man. They don't. Well, I think, you know, as a, as the mother of the young man, um, the young man who was um, uh, who was denied parole after his death, as she said in one news story, they did not see his humanity. No, they didn't see his humanity. And I think I think she's absolutely right about that. And I think I would even go a step further and say. Not only did they not see his humanity, uh, they don't see any kind of humanity, apparently, in that whole pardon and parole system. If, you know, how, and I say it this way, how closely, how closely could they be paying attention to these cases if a man is dead and they don't even know it? I mean, what kind of attention are they really paying to those I mean, these are people who are under their purview. They ought to at least know if they're dead or alive. So if they don't know that, then, you know, you know they're not going to see them as human beings when considering their cases. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, they. Here, here's the problem, and I, I believe John Archibald wrote about this. Um, it's one, one, of the, one of the issues is... Uh, the pardon and parole board—they—they they never have to see any of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, they never—they never look at them. They never—they—they they hear from the people against them. You know, those folks show up to talk mm-hmm. against them, but they never actually see the people and hear from the folks that whose parole they're denying. And and I'll—you I'll, know, this often gets cast a, a, a lot by our attorney general who, uh, um. But as though we are pushing for parole for rapists and murderers and some of the worst people that are just going to get out and, and harm your children, you know, and it, uh, a good portion of these people are already every spending every day outside of prison on work release programs. These are some of the most trusted inmates in our in our correctional system. These are some of the people that go into into various businesses and homes with zero supervision, zero supervision, mm-hmm. and perform work of all sorts all around the state, all over the place for them. Okay, and they are they are deemed safe and reliable. Uh, many of them have not had a mark on their record for decades, for decades, and mm-hmm. they have been going out to these jobs for years without an issue, without a problem. They're valued. They're trusted. People love them. Matter of fact, there have been stories about people who have uh, their their employers, the people who they uh, work for right now, paying them a, basically a slave wage uh, yeah. or below slave wage in reality. Yeah. Um, and uh, th- those people who employ them or whose work they go to would will say to you openly, "I would hire them tomorrow. I would hire them tomorrow to come in here," mm-hmm. and, and and they can't get out of jail. They won't let them out of jail, and they're just blanket denying them. And a lot of it's based on race, as we've seen the numbers, uh, that, that white people are getting out at, at three times the rate in most cases. 
than than black people are, despite the fact that there are far more black people going up for parole uh, in our system. There's somehow another white people still outnumber them that are getting actually getting the parole. Weird. So it's just well, I mean, I'm sure, it's just a coincidence, uh, <laughs> even though it's happened over the last five years consistently. Well, it sounds like it sounds like the old convict leasing system to me. That's it's, uh, what it exactly like. what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's 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 by another name. It's it's cheap labor. That's all it is. They they're keeping them in. They're keeping. I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, I've had people in the system tell me this. Okay, mm. they're and I've written it. And I don't know how. I don't what if I need to paint it on a water tower or what of exactly mm. what's happening here. But what's happening is they need these people because they help the system run. Okay, and because of some of the criminal justice reform that we're now trying to roll back, Mm -hmm. they've allowed a lot of nonviolent, non-threatening prisoners that they know are low on the recidivism scale. They they've let a lot of those folks out because of the work that Jim Hill and Cam Ward and some of these other people have done in the legislature. And Chris England, I don't want to leave out Chris England and some of these other people that have that have helped help reduce the number of nonviolent prisoners. Well, they're. They're running low on nonviolent folks that they can put in these work release programs. So that's why they hold on to them so tightly, because they know they don't have a replacement for them. And if they don't have a replacement for them, then a lot of these government agencies, like you know, the governor's mansion, for example, will actually pay people to perform the damn work that's taking place around them. Right. And so they would rather keep the slaves involved. Yeah, which is which is almost by definition convict leasing. The only difference is perhaps instead of contriving reasons to uh, arrest people, they are contriving re- and convict them. They, are con- they have contrived a reason or a rationale to keep them inside. And instead of leasing them out to private corporations exclusively, uh, because apparently back in the, in the early 20th century, that's what was happening, you know, in the 1900s and so forth, early 1900s. Apparently now, perhaps, uh, it's not just private companies that are benefiting from these people's labor, but also the state a mm-hmm. lot as much, you yep. know, and as you're saying, the state is relying on this prison labor to do some of its work, uh, yep. but it's still, to me, it's still convict leasing just by another name. No, it's, it's exactly what it is. And, you know, I did, I did, um, a story several years ago, um, you know, before, before Quentin Ross uh, became president at ASU. Uh, about uh, ASU using uh, inmate labor, and uh, at that point, and see this is how that, this is how I found out about basically what the what was working in the system over here. Okay, was mm-hmm. at that point there was a the I had gotten the the list. Somebody had sent me the list of the inmates that were working on the school grounds, including in some of the dormitories mm-hmm. there. That they were working as as janitors or you know custodians, whatever the proper term is, um, and uh, they sent me the list, and then said you should just look up the convictions of some of these people, and there were legitimately murderers, uh, murderers. Uh, there was one person that was had been convicted three times of rape, um, and they were working in dorm rooms with, you know, I, and I thought. Man, that don't seem like a good idea. Um, that's, that's stunning. Yeah, that's, that's what stunning. I thought. Yeah. And, and so, but that's when I found out that hmm. because of the criminal justice reform, they had had they had been forced to relax a lot of the parameters that they normally had in place on who got on these work details. 
And the school was not necessarily aware that that was the case. They had just carried on with the same contract that they had for years with the Department of Corrections. Little did they know that the Department of Corrections had amended who could be on these work release programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, and I'll say I had I had some uh, reservations about some of this stuff because uh, I knew full well that some people were going to get caught up in this who had uh, who had been basically reformed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, and and I'm sure that that was the case, and I, I you know, I I hope that they they those guys found other jobs somewhere, uh, and they could continue on. But you know, there was, I mean, there were a couple of folks that were, you know, I I don't I'll say this, if it were my daughter there, I don't know that I I was listen, I'll pay you a little more if uh, mm-hmm. you know if mm-hmm. uh, if maybe that we could have just somebody else working that job, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and, and I think that that's a reasonable thing to say because there were, you know, some of these folks who had multiple convictions of things. And, right. And, uh, and, and, you and know, I I'm as forgiving as the next guy, but I mean, come right. on, man. Well, I mean, I think, again, um, <clears throat> you know, we're human beings here and we're just being realistic. We don't know what a person's uh, level of rehabilitation is. Exactly. So, you know, you ideally, <clears throat> I mean, I think if a person has paid their debt to society, then. They need to be given every opportunity and every ounce of support we can for them to transition, uh, you know, to to transition into a healthy life, you know, uh, in the free world. But having said that, that doesn't mean that we should be oblivious to their past, you know, or or be in denial about their past. And, you know, so it's a it's a delicate balance. Yeah. You're also trusting the Department of Corrections to make these decisions. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and that just yeah. gives me a lot of pause. And, and you're also talking uh, about unsupervised. I mean, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're talking about unsupervised kind of circumstances where, yes. um, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, while some of these men, I'm sure, were rehabilitated or, and were heading in the right direction. I'm also sure that not all of them were, because that's just human nature, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, I, well, I can tell you, you know, I, I used to visit, uh, I used to, I used to visit uh, Limestone uh, Prison mm-hmm. here, up here in North Alabama. Uh, I would be invited in to speak or to do whatever. And, um, and I remember distinctly having some conversations with some inmates after a program where I felt like, I mean, most of the the overwhelming majority of the men who interacted with me, I can honestly say, uh, God is my witness. I can honestly say, uh, were positive and, you know, there was no problem. Right. But I can also honestly say that there were at least one or two that I can kind of <laughs> vaguely recall who, right. as they were engaging with me, I was like, this, this so-and-so is trying to run some game right here. He's trying to see what he can get out of me. What kind yeah. of, this is, yeah. this is game. This is game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, I grew up middle class and all that, but I did grow up in Chicago and I recognize right. some game. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And that, listen, I, you yeah. know, I, I just, uh, I just feel like that there's a better way to, to handle this overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I feel like maybe our department of corrections is, is dropping the ball and, and that some people, 
uh, need to take a little bit better look. Of course, uh, maybe uh, maybe we could get somebody uh, like our right wing nut on this one. Uh, you know, because I think he he makes really good decisions, and uh, and overall he was a really great choice for the uh, Decatur City Council, and that is uh, Decatur City Councilman Hunter Peppers. Hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, David's friend Hunter Peppers. Uh, his <laughs> I've never met the man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. He uh, uh, it's honestly, it's one thing after another with this guy, and it's almost like they elected a child to be on the city council, um, uh, because they wanted to, you know, let a polluter off the hook, and uh, they're kind of getting what they deserve at this point. Um, and we had a long time. A public servant that was serving on that on the council that was beaten by an eighteen year old um, and Hunter Peppers and uh, he has behaved as such. Uh, he has had social media posts that have been terribly offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about running over protesters out outside of the Galleria in Hoover. Um, you know, obviously they, they were they were black protesters, and so he was going to mow them down. Uh, I mean, it, it, until this most recent one. What is the most recent one? The most recent one uh, is he uh, was on social media and and uh, liked or affirmed through the like emoji uh, a very uh, offensive post. Uh, it was a post uh, that was that was making light of. pardon me, of a practice, and I can't remember what the slang word is, but apparently the practice of, of, uh, that a man will use to slide off a condom while having sex with a woman without her knowing it. And there's a word for that. And I can't, I'm sorry. I can't. Stealthing. 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 I just looked up the story. I just looked up the story. Yeah. It's a, yes. Uh, and it was a Dutch, it was about a Dutch man. Mm. Um, and he used his city councilman's Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, to leave a laughing emoji. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is the whole thing. I mean, it's a disgusting thing to affirm and yeah. then to do it as a person who's supposed to be representing a segment of a population uh, in his community. It just, it just makes him look really, really bad. And, hey, and this was his comment. This was his comment. Clearly, if you read the article, it was consented sex. Obviously not sexual assault, but hey, all of you individuals try to catch people in things that aren't true. I don't believe sexual assault is okay. Clearly, you just want attention. Well, see, he clearly, uh, and again, this is probably his immaturity or his ignorance. He clearly doesn't understand that the act of stealthing is sexual assault. It doesn't matter if the sex was consensual. To no. remove your condom in in the pro, in, yeah. in in the course of intercourse without the person knowing it is an assault in and of itself. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And um, he's a clown. He's a clown. Mm. Well, you know what? That's the reason why he's our right wing nut because he's a nut. Well, um, and, and the fact that he would blame the woke people for coming after him that's what really made me think. Okay, he should be our right wing nut because he's blaming his own troubles on wokeness and the woke people. All right. I'm so tired whatever. of people using the word woke. You know what? I'm so tired of the word woke. Anybody that uses woke seriously at this point is a is a crazy person. They really are. They're a crazy person just trying to get over on you. They're a scam artist. That's all they are. All right. On that happy note, we're going to slide out of here. All right, We've man. given you people way more than you deserve. <laughs> uh, and so we're, we're going to get out. Until next week, y'all be safe. Peace.